I was reading in a newsletter that I get from a, um, an orphanage that we help support a couple of kids there, and we get the newsletter, and the newsletter came, and I just read a little piece of it, and, um, and it said the kids were in their classroom, and in the classroom, they, they broke out in, these are little elementary school kids, in spontaneous praise and worship, and they worshiped for two hours in their classroom. Yes, and I, I was like, Lord, that's what I'm looking for. I, we're looking for the suddenlies of God because God wants to do that. He wants to break forth on his people. He wants to break into un, un, unfamiliar places where he can just break on the scene, and he wants to use us to do that. He wants to be our hands and our feet and our voice. He wants to be, be our, our direction in the way that we should go. And um, I want to start by, let's just pray for a minute. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true and good and it cleanses us and it washes us. And Father, I ask that your anointing would come and lead and direct and that Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are saying to us this night in Jesus' name. As I prayed about, um, actually when when Pastor, uh, he texted me and asked me to share you know, the first, my first thought is, how do I get out of this? You know, that's my first, that's just how I, I'm serious. You know, I'm just being honest. I, I was, okay, how do I get out of it? No, this is what I'm called to do. I ha, I, I'm going to share. I'm going to keep, keep sharing. I'm going to keep sharing. Any door that he opens, I'm going to keep sharing. And I'm going to do it on purpose. Amen? Sometimes we have to do that because we don't always feel like doing things. And it's not always convenient to do things. But I'm going to keep doing it because the Lord keeps, as he opens doors, I'm going to keep ministering. Because I know that's what God has called me to do. So, I want to talk about tonight about the days of Noah. So let's turn to Matthew 24, and I'm sorry, but I am in the Amplified again, so if you want to just follow along, that's fine, or if you want to write it down, and I'll read it, and you guys can study it later, or whatever you want to do is fine with me. So it'll be a little bit different. Okay, he says in uh, 24, verse 37... As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For just as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, men were marrying, and and women were being given in marriage, until the very day when Noah went into the ark. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. At that time, two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one will be left. Verse 42, watch therefore, give strict attention, be cautious and active, for you do not know in what kind of a day, whether a near or remote one, your Lord is coming. And the Lord began to minister to me, and I know I've shared on on some of these things before, I'm just going to share it again because that's what he put on my heart, Um, that uh, in the days of Noah, he he marks it by the days of Noah. And then he also marks it by the days of Lot. And so if we go back to Genesis and we read in Genesis where Noah is mentioned and the flood, we can get a glimpse of the kind of day that we're in now and the kind of hour that we live in now and, and get a little bit of an expectation for, what, for what's coming. And so let's turn over to Luke 17, and I want to read about Lot. And he says... 
because there's three things that Noah did that I want to talk about. There's three things. First of all, let's go read 17, Luke 17, verse 26. And he says, And just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the time of the Son of Man. People ate, they drank, they married. They were given in marriage right up to the day when Noah went into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. So also, as it was in the days of Lot, people ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the very day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That is the way it will be on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. And I, and I, I want to share, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 6, we're going to go there after this, but... So it's marked by the days of Noah, and it's marked by the days of Lot. And we know that they're giving in marriage, but that's been happening throughout history. Business as usual. It was business as usual, only there was something in the day of Noah that was different. Here is a man who is building some big, huge barge that's basically three stories high in the middle of wherever he was. So he's building this, this ark boat, and he's telling people that it's going to rain and in that time, there wasn't such thing as rain. They had their watering came from the dew of the earth, so they didn't even know what rain was. They didn't understand what it was. Okay, so let's go over to Genesis chapter 6. When men began to multiply on the face of the land, verse 1, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took wives of all they desired and chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit shall not forever dwell and strive with man, for he, shall, he also is flesh, but his days shall be 120. And there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Backing up to verse 1. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair. Something was happening here that is more wicked than we really understand. The day of that, that he lived in, there were things happening that our minds cannot even wrap around. And if you study this out, there's different schools of thought. And I'm just going to throw this out, and you guys can write it down and study it later. The sons of God are mentioned many times in the scripture. Uh, some, some people will say that it was the Sethites that were holy, a holy line from Seth, that married the Canaanite women that they shouldn't have mixed, and so God was grieved and he brought flood on the land. But if that were true, then why, why after that? Because you have that mixed seed going all the way through the scriptures. So why was that harsh of a punishment happened then? So as I studied this, what I believe is that the sons of God re- refer to the angels, and I'm going to give you some references that you can go back and read. Job 1.6, Job 2.1, Job 38.7, Psalm 89.6, and Daniel 3.25. And in all these instances, he says the sons of God are the angels. They're fallen angels. So these angels were having relations with the daughters of with the with the daughters of men, Is that, okay, the fallen angels, and they produced a race called the Nephilim, which were the giants of that time. Okay, so there was a mixed seed, and Satan's Satan's plot. He knows 
that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage at some point because he knew from the Garden of Eden that his head would be bruised, that, that the woman would be the one to produce the seed that would bruise the head of Satan. Amen? Are you guys with me? So in that lineage, Satan knew. So he wanted to thwart that by sowing seed where Jesus wouldn't come. And God knew that. God knew that, and he destroyed everything on the earth except one family. The Bible says he was righteous in his generation. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't of mixed seed. His lineage was not mixed seed. And so God said to Noah, I want you to build an ark. I am grieved with, I'm, I'm grieved with the human race. I want to destroy them because I'm grieved that I ever made them. And so he brought a flood. And now you know, the, the rainbow tells us that he's never going to again flood the earth with water. But he is going to bring fire. Fire is coming next. That's what we're. That's where we're headed. Okay. So he. So we, now we have we have giants in the land, and we have a wicked seed. And I want to tell you when Jesus was going to be born, Herod went after the babies because he knew that he had to destroy the deliverer coming. He went after the deliverer of the people. He went after Moses and he killed the babies. Moses was the deliverer of Israel. And now you guys have the deliverer living inside of you, okay? And the enemy wants so bad to shut you down, to shut me down. He wants us to walk as mere men. If we walk as mere men, we're not a threat. There's nothing there. It doesn't matter. You do whatever you want. Just don't manifest the deliverer. Do not manifest Jesus. And that's, what, that's why he hates God's people. It's not just us. He hates God. He hates Jesus. He doesn't want to see people get set free. He has sowed seeds, and he sowed seeds into the church, just like he did back then to stop the, the, the heritage of Christ coming. He sowed seeds into the church to prevent false doctrine, false, false words, false teachers into the church, to prevent God's church from rising up so that there would be deception and we would not understand who we are. The authority of God rests upon us. And pastor preached Sunday that we can go our whole walk in God and never understand the authority that we have. Never manifest it. Sit in a pew. I don't even understand how we could do that. I I could not do that. Sit in a pew and never, ever do the work of the Lord. Never step out to speak to the neighbor that you have next to you or in your workplace. You're so afraid that you don't want to say anything. And in this country, we have had great, we've had great uh, favor as Christians. But the tide is changing. In China, you, you, you can't just go out and just proclaim Jesus. You cannot go out and just, in Turkey, you'll be put in prison. Okay, we have enjoyed freedom here where we can come into this place and worship God anytime we want to. And the tide is changing. And so what's going to happen when that tide completely changes and persecution really hits? If, if, if we say, stand up in a classroom like Julie, you're in school and proclaim the word of God and you know you're going to be persecuted, not just, oh, she's just a weird girl, but maybe arrested are we really going to speak? 
When the rubber hits the road, are we really going to speak? And Noah did three things. Number one, he heard the voice of God. He had an ear. He heard God speak. In order to hear God speak to us, we have to spend time with him. And I, you know, I know we hear that over and over and over and over and over again, but there's no other way is to sit and spend time with God. Even if you say, sometimes I think, oh, I don't have enough time, that's a lie. First of all, it's a lie. Number two, it takes five seconds for me to sit and just get quiet. Abraham built, I mean, Noah built an ark, a place of safety for his family. And we need to build an ark of safety for ourselves, which is the presence of God. Getting into the presence of God as an ark to us. Because when that rain comes, when that harsh uh, storm comes, that's the only place where there's safety. And so, number one, he heard the voice of God. Let me go over here. He heard the voice of God. Number two, he built. And number three, he preached. Okay? And I'm just going to leave that there for now and go back for a minute. Okay, so Satan came in to destroy the seed by which Jesus was to come. Today he has tried to bring in false seed to the church, but the true remnant is rising up. God is calling a church that's without spot or wrinkle. He's calling a church to be holy when he sent, uh, when Jesus came as a ba- as a babe, he came in a manger. He came on a donkey, as as in peace. Next, he's coming on a horse, as in war. And when when uh, uh, hold on, I lost my train of thought. Oh, he's coming again. He sent forth John the Baptist. John the Baptist's ministry was about six months, right? His full ministry, okay? He was a prophet that had the spirit of Elijah on him. The spirit of Elijah was on John the Baptist. The Bible says he was as a voice crying in the wilderness, make way, the, the, prepare the way of the Lord. He turned the heart of the people back to the Father. So basically his message was a message of repentance, and today, as God, when the Lord, as the Lord's coming, the message of repentance is going. I don't know if you feel that, but the Lord is pretty much drawing a line. He is. We are feeling a separation of who's. Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to be over here like Elijah said? If Baal be Baal, serve him. Go over there. If God is God, serve him. But if you stand in the middle, he will vomit you out of his mouth. We have to decide who are we going to serve because the one that stands in the middle on the fence is the one that has tasted of the hot and has tasted of the cold and has decided to stay right here. And it's, 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 it's an abomination to God. And so we have to decide, who are we going to serve? What am I, am I going to take this word right here and let it cut me when I don't really like what it's saying? Am I going to allow myself to be humble enough to say, Lord, have your way in my life. If there's something in my life that is not pleasing to you, have your way in my life and let it cut me. Because that's what the word of God does. It cuts. But it heals. Yes. It's, it's like a sword that goes in and it's all healed. As you submit, it's all healed like it never was there. The Lord wants us free. He wants us whole. He wants to use us. He wants to move through us. He wants to have our voice, have our eyes, our ears. He wants us to walk like the spiritual sons and daughters that we are and not like mere men. 
Okay, so the prophets are coming too. The prophets are coming forth, and really the the church, the fivefold ministry is what God is wanting to restore, the complete fivefold ministry in the church. Really, the, it's already in the church. They're already there. It's already alive and well in the church. It's just not alive and well in every building. You know what I'm saying? They're not allowed to move. And we need the, the evangelist as much as we need the prophet. We think the evangelist is for the lost only. But the Bible says it's for the equipping of the saints. Okay? The evangelist is for us because it gets us excited to go win the lost. The prophet, because the prophet has not been really allowed to speak, he's the, the prophet's the one that points the way. If you get crooked, he points the way. This is crooked. And the church is crooked today on a whole because the prophets haven't been able to speak. They haven't been able to say, no, this isn't right. No, this is not right here. See, we need every member. We need every single member working and functioning at the same time. And so when Noah began to uh, continued in building the ark, it took him 98 years 98 years he was building this ark, okay? That's a long time. I don't think I would want to do that, okay? Now, in 98 years, you have to know that that he was being mocked and ridiculed. There had to be, in all that time, discouragement. Why am I doing this? Okay, I'm building an ark. And, And his family, he may have had some flack from his family. Go get this, go get that. You know what I'm saying? And then he began to call, it says, to bring in every kind of animal, two by two, okay? So how did that happen? Noah didn't just get on a mountain and call all those animals and say, please come, all you llamas, please come, all you whatever. No, there was something that caused them to come, and that is what God is doing right now. He's calling forth his people out of a wicked and perverse generation. He's calling us with a voice. John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness, make way, prepare the way of the Lord. There is a voice that's going forth in the spirit, prepare the way of the Lord, come forth, come forth and take your stand as the mighty men and women of God that we are and come out from among them and be separate because the Lord is wanting us to walk holy. He's coming back for a holy, holy, uh, a holy church without spot or wrinkle. Let's go over to Isaiah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all right. I'm just going to go after it. Yeah, whatever. Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one who cries, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. Clear away the obstacles. Make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and and filled up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked and uneven shall be made straight and level, and the rough places a plain. Do you understand? This right here is what's happening right now. The Lord is, we are like, he is like using, it's like a chessboard. He's putting people in place. He's putting his people in place where he wants them to be. And he's gathering up his people, and he is separating, he's separating the chaff from the wheat. You're going to begin to see a greater line drawn of those that say they're Christian and don't act like Christians and those that say they're Christian and they act like Christians. And in Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 
He says, understand this, that in the last days, there will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. How many of you know we're there? You feel like we're there? I feel like we're there. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanders, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Listen to this verse. For although they hold a form of piety or true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. And then he says this, Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. That's a heavy word. No. Turn away from them. Avoid all such people. They, for, they have a form of being godly, but they deny the power of God. They deny the power of God. Avoid such people. We, we live in a time that God said that there would be perilous times. He said this would happen. This is coming. And so it's not a surprise to us. But we still have to be ready. We still have to be ready. And the way we get ready is we spend time with the Lord. Noah had to build that ark. He didn't even know what an ark was. Do you understand? He didn't even know what it was. He had to build it exactly to the pattern that God gave him so that it would float and hold the animals that he had. Moses had to build exactly the pattern that God gave him because it was a reflection of what was in heaven brought down into the earth. It was, a, it, was, it was a pattern that he had to get right. You have a pattern for your life. You have a pattern for your life. You have a pattern for your life. We all have a pattern. And that's, that, that's why he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. I want your pattern to be made manifest in, in the earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. And the only way I can get that is by spending time with him. And I sit <clears throat> and I spend time with the Lord, and then I see. You understand what I'm saying? You see. All your circumstances that are horrible, it just it goes away when the presence of God comes. And then you see. And the world isn't getting any softer. It's getting louder. The way of the world is getting louder, and it's screaming louder at us. And so we have to, on purpose, sit and listen and get his pattern for our lives and the pattern for the church because the Lord wants us to walk in unity. Unity is that the suddenlies came when there was a one accord. Remember when they were in the upper room? There was one accord, and then the suddenly came. They were waiting. They didn't know what they were waiting for either. Noah didn't know what rain was. He said, it's going to rain. They were commanded to go to the upper room because I'm going to come and the Holy Spirit's going to come. What's that mean? You know, what is tongues? They didn't know. They didn't understand. And I believe we're in the same place. We, in a sense, are waiting on the Lord. We're waiting for him to move. We're waiting. And I believe that in the waiting, a one accord is coming 
to the body of Christ. There is a oneness that's happening. And when we wait and we see the needs of others, we begin to see our need for each other. We see our need for each other. When we come into this place, we should come with a oneness of mind, a oneness of heart. We're coming to gather to worship God. And the suddenlies take place in that oneness, in that agreement, in that one accord. Amen? And that's what the Lord is wanting to do. So he built according to the pattern that first he heard, then he built according to the pattern that God gave him. And he... uh, and. And he did what the Lord said for him to do. Uh, He heard it, and then he did it. He didn't just hear it and then sit there and go, oh, I need to do this. He heard it, and then he put his faith to action. He was a doer of what God said. It's not enough just to be a hearer. We have to be a doer. A lot of people are hearers, and they don't ever step out and do what God says, and then they never see the miracles. They never get to partake of, the, of, of understanding that, oh, my gosh, I gave that person a word. I was so scared, or I went to that person. I told them what God told me, and I was so scared. But then that person was so touched, and they wept, and that is encouragement. It builds you up, but you'll never get to that place if we don't step out and do it. Okay, so let's go over to Nehemiah, and I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to kind of skim over some of it, but um, make sure I'm hitting everything. Where's Nehemiah? (laughs) Oh, there it is. That's kind of scary when you have the little tabs and you don't know where it's at. Okay, chapter 4. Am I making sense? Okay, thank you so much. I needed that. (laughs) Okay. Nehemiah was under the authority of the king. When he went to rebuild the wall, he went into Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. He had the full authority of the entire Persian Empire behind him. But yet he went in and he had to fight. Does that make sense? He still had to fight. Even, even the children of Israel, when they went into the land, this is your land, here it is. Here's your land. But they had to go in and fight to kick out what was there. And that is what we forget. We think, oh, well, it should be easy. God did this. Why, God, why don't you help me? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And the, and the Lord basically says, I've given you the tools. You do it. You do it. And so... Uh, Nehemiah had the full authority of them behind him. We have the authority of Christ, and yet we have to go in. We have to fight. We have to resist the devil. We have to do the wor- what the word of the Lord tells us to do. And so he went in, in verse 4, they began to build. and says, but when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and in a great rage and ridiculed the Jews. Isn't that sound like the devil? And he said before his brethren in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God with sacrifices? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing they are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, what they build, if a fox climbs upon it, he will break down their stone wall. And Nehemiah prayed, hear, O O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt upon their own heads and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And then it goes down and it says in verse 7, 
they, be, they continued to, oh wait, verse 6, so we built the wall and all of it was joined together to half its height for the people had a heart and a mind to work. They had a heart and a mind, unity. But when Samballat and Tobiah, the, Ar- the Arabians, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were going up and that the breaches were being closed, they were very angry and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to injure and cause confusion and failure in it. Isn't that one of the first things the devil does is bring confusion to a work of God? He brings confusion because he wants to try to, to, to break it up from within. And they, they were building the wall. So the enemy was scared. Yes. He was scared. And he, he, he wanted to stir it up, so that's what he did. Let's go over to, um, to chapter 6. So they continued to build the wall, and they kept building. And if you read through all that scripture, you find that um, they had a, a hard time. So they would, have, they would build, and they would have their weapon. And they would build with one hand and have their weapon with the other. And then they watched out for each other's backs. And when, when there was a breach on one side, they would all come to that one side to help. And so there was a unity happening back and forth to build the wall. And in chapter 6, it says, Now, when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, and there was no breach left in it, although at that time I did not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave to come down to you? And they sent to me four times this way, and I answered them as before. Do you see the pattern there? They kept coming. They kept coming. Four times they kept coming. But Nehemiah was convinced, why should I come down? I'm doing a great work. Noah, why should I come down and pay attention? I'm doing a great work. I'm going to preserve my family. The Lord is coming back for a family, his family, his church. Same as he he preserved Noah and his family. He's coming back for a family. And we are building. So we are to be in in Noah's day as in the the son of man is like the days of Noah. Noah heard the voice of God. He did what God said. He built. And then it says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says he is a preacher of righteousness. He preached. He heard the voice of God and spent time with God. He built the, the, the ark. We build the kingdom of God and we keep going. We equip the saints. We, we, uh, we encourage each other even more so as we know the day is drawing near. Because that means we're going to need it. And he preached. We are all preachers of righteousness. We are all ministers to the lost. We are all filled with the Holy Spirit to do what God has for us to do. And if we don't do it and we sit, he says, my, if you draw back, my soul has no pleasure. It gives God pleasure when we step out. And step into what God, even if you, this is what my my mind does. Okay, even if I fall on my face, at least I'm pleasing God falling on my face. (laughs) You know, what, 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 who am I trying to please? So even if I step out and I bomb and, and I, and I go and say something to somebody and it's wrong, I've still pleased God because my heart was to do what he wanted me to do. And that's how we have to be. We have to be, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Show me, 
and then do it. And you will see the hand of God move. Your hands will become God's hands. You will see it. You lay hands on the sick, Connie, you're going to see people recover. Lord. God is good to us. He's always good to us. I don't know why. He just is. <laughs> so, amen. So, we're going to keep doing the work, even though, you know, it, it had to have been built when, as he built the, that ark. It had to be 98 years. It probably went pretty slow, you know, and, and you think, gee, why doesn't he hurry up? And I always think, gee, Lord, why don't you hurry up? You know, and you think it's getting really bad down here. Why don't you hurry up? And I, I, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go over to First Peter. I know, but you know, God is so good that He answers us in our questions. <laughs> okay, where did Peter go? I lost it too. Okay, there it is. Wait. No. Is it? No, Hebrews goes James. Oh, there it is. Okay. First Peter 3.20. The souls of those who longed before the in the days of Noah had been disobedient when God's patience waited during the building of the ark in which a few people actually eight in number were saved through water. So his patience waited. He had already striven with man and he decided what he was going to do and he was going to do it. But through the 98 years that he built it, he was patient. And then Second Peter 3, nine. The Lord does not delay and be tardy or slow about his promises, according to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient towards you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. And so his desire is for, for men to repent, and that, and that is why he's slow. He, it's mercy. It's God's mercy. And, and so as we seek the Lord and seek his face, be encouraged to do what he has for you to do. Be encouraged to speak and and just take a chance to let to say what God has for you to say or do what he tells you to do. Even if it's just, oh, you know what? You look so pretty today. Do you know how many people don't get encouraged in the world? They don't even, nobody said, I said that to one lady and she, she almost started crying. She goes, oh my gosh, I thought I was so ugly. I, I'm not kidding. I know. We don't realize how, how one little encouraging thing really lifts somebody up, and it just shows really the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is what causes men to repent. So just shining the goodness of God, you think it's not enough. Sometimes you think it's not enough if I don't, if I don't get somebody saved all the way. But it's not true. Because some people plant, some people water, some people harvest. But all three of those are necessary. And just because you didn't get to do the harvest part, you still get the credit for the planting part. It's all the same to God. Amen? Amen. 
Thank you, Jesus. That's all I have, guys.